Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of John. Jesus is with his disciples and he's trying to get them ready for what's coming. He's telling them that he's going to give up his life. He's telling them he's going to be back after three days. He's going to be raised, and they don't get it. They are young men. Maybe John may have been in his teens. The old man among them was probably maybe in his early 30s. But they... they had, had no sense whatsoever. They still were thinking that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome and Herod, and they were going to set up a first century state of Israel right then and there. And so all of this talk, I think, struck them as holy talk, just like meaningless stuff that comes from church. But of course it was not. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the 15th chapter of John. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love one another in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command. Love one another. Jesus says something remarkable here. It is the Gospel of John that gives us the sense of the pre-existent nature of Christ. At the very beginning it says, in the, word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That, that Jesus was the incarnate God of the universe. And yes, we get thrown into Trinitarian mystery on this, but, but nevertheless, Jesus is God with us. And here he's saying, I'm not over you. I'm one with you. You are my friends. You are my friends. And so Jesus puts himself fully amongst them. Not over. If anything, when he goes to wash their feet, he puts himself under as an example to them. And he says, greater love has no one than this, but to give up one's life for one's friends, and you are my friends. Jesus is telling them 
and showing them what real love is. And he makes it a command. We often think, do we have to be commanded to love? You know, some love comes really naturally. We know. Because it's happened to us. But the kind of love that he's speaking of is, is a love that is a willful decision of not just the heart but the mind. That no matter what, I'm going to try to do everything I can to be loving toward the other. And even, even toward those who are against us. Even toward those who might act against us. How do we love another when they are working against us? Helmut Tillicke, pastor in Germany during the Second World War, said, when Jesus utters these words that move us so deeply, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, speaking of Christ on the cross and those who were crucifying him. What happens then is not something like a miracle of self-control. In other words, we don't just grit our teeth and try to force ourselves to love. What happens is a miracle of a new God-given way of seeing the person who is given this ability to see past the filthy service and to see the children of God despite the distortion. The ability to see beyond the stuff and see in the other the children of God. A child of God, one beloved of God. So Jesus commands us to love that kind of love. It's easy to love one another when we're like each other and when we like each other. Jesus said even the Pharisees can do that. But we're called to something higher, something greater, something far more as his children. We're to be the embodiment of his love for the world as the body of Christ. So it's a tough call. And the disciples didn't put it all together until after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected. But then, they came together and then dispersed out around the world showing the love of Christ to others. And that movement continues even to this day. But he says, greater love has no one and to give up their lives. To give up their lives, to sacrifice their lives. That's the example that Jesus set. And that's the example that we're given. We live in a time when, as we think about Memorial Day, we think about those who have given up their lives those who've gone before us, those who sacrificed. Oliver Wendell Holmes says, I see beyond the forest of moving banners, I see, the, I see beyond the forest the moving banner, banners of a hidden column. Our dead brothers still live for us and bid us think of life, not death, of life to which their youth they lent the passion and joy of spring. As I listen, the great chorus of life and joy begins again. 
and amid the awful orchestra of seen and unseen powers and destinies of good and evil, our trumpets sound once more a note of daring, hope, and will. So those that have gone before us in some very special way are, are with us, among us, and we feel the sacrifice that they've made. Ronald Reagan picked this up, president now 40 years ago, and he, he said earlier today, this is on his Memorial Day address, with the music that we have heard and that of our national anthem, I can't claim to know the words of all the national anthems in the world, but I do know any other that ends, I don't know of any other that ends with a question and a challenge as ours does. Does that flag still wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? That is what we must all ask. Does the flag still wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? I'm not going political, but there are some core values that we have upon which this nation has been founded. Every single monetary piece that we have in our pockets says that in God we trust. Why, why is Arlington populated with hundreds upon hundreds of soldiers? Why is the Far East and Europe populated with those who gave their lives? Why has the sacrifice been made? If, if we sacrifice our liberties, if we sacrifice the reality of a, the calling of, of the children of God to be a free people, if we want to go under the, under the dictatorship of a government to which so much is owed that we live with a slavery of indebtedness, if we want the White House to be the new plantation house that somehow is promising something to the racial minorities of our nation, if we want to give up the realities and the hopes that come from a free enterprise system, or we can, because we're willing to work hard and think hard and talk to others on how to do this. We're willing to give up the opportunities that we have and that others have purchased for us. I mean, how many people in our nation today are having, mom and pop businesses are having trouble hiring people just because we've got a taste of socialism in our mouths. Or should we have just let Japan have its way? 
Should we have just let Hitler continue to rule? Should we have just let China cross the Yalu and take over the Korean Peninsula? This is what we fight for. This is what they die for. And that is that we can be free to live a life where personal individual responsibility can give us opportunities. And yes, if somebody doesn't have the same opportunities that we do, we want them to have that. But there is no guarantee of equal outcomes. But we want to make sure that everyone has an equal opportunity, that everyone is free. Everyone has an opportunity to do what they have to do. I'm really moved by the story of our own Rick Scott. He was born into a housing project, didn't know his natural father. But his mother told him, work hard, get educated, and go to church. He worked hard. He got educated. And he had deployed his gifts as best he knew how. And his is one example of a life that has lived into the opportunities that have been purchased by those who went before him. So I had an occasion to go to Honor Flight, Washington, D.C. With, with Richard Pettingill. And I remember going up, Rich, Richard, when he talks to you, can be very persuasive. But he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I, really, I really didn't do anything. That's so not true. And in a couple of weeks, we will celebrate the life of Jack Sumlin, who likewise had the same kind of humility about his service. And how many do we know who didn't even talk about it until, until life was almost spent? And then suddenly at 89, 90, 91 years old, their memories were quickened by something. And suddenly a story comes tumbling out. It happened with me in relationship with my dad at about that age. Found out that he and his Jeep driver went into concentration camp. Turns out it was the very first of the concentration camps liberated by the Allies. And he talked about bodies stacked like firewood. And then dad and his Jeep driver went on and liberated two more were the first into two more death camps in Germany. And all he could talk about, when he would talk about it, full of years, was just that he couldn't, he couldn't grasp what he was seeing. But a deep love and appreciation for those who went before. And Peter Thomas, 
soon after he did that service for us here, he was going up to his garage studio to do another recording for forensic files. And he was carrying his files and stumbled and fell forward on his knees and broke both hips and his back. And so for the final two years of his life, he was laid up at Moorings Park. Peter became like a, a second father to me. So I would visit him a couple of times a week. And one time when I visited him, I was privileged to go in. And there was with him a man named Bob Mixa. Bob was a tank commander. And he was one of four tanks out of 32. I may have my numbers wrong, but four tanks out of 32 that survived the Normandy landing. The flotation devices failed on the vast majority of those tanks. And as they talked back and forth about not themselves and what they did, but those, those who gave their lives with such gratitude and with such a depth of longing and, and, and seriousness about those men. And I was listening to them and I was just touched and overwhelmed. The reality is, those who have given of themselves in service to maintain freedoms so that we don't give in to Japan, we don't give in to Nazism, we don't give in to socialism, and we don't give in to the kind of despotism that they would bring, that we would have no despotism at all, but we would live with, with freedom and, and openness and transparency as a nation, that we would be free to love one another as Christ has loved us, they had a deep sense of that they had inherited something and they, they so deeply appreciated those who gave of themselves. And those who didn't give their lives maybe have left an arm or a leg or they left sobriety or they left their sanity. They left something behind. I recently buried Bernie Turner and his wife Rita three weeks prior. Bernie left his faith. He was going into Czechoslovakia. He grew up in a Jewish home where he loved the, the Shabbat meals because all of the men would sit and argue around the table and he loved it. But when he saw a half-track go over the side of a mountain in Czechoslovakia and 12 young men lose their lives, he said, where is God? Where is God at a time like that? I said to him, Bernie, God was there on that half-track. I said, 
maybe someday you and I will come to an understanding of what it means when I say that God died for us in his son. That was almost 20 years ago that I had that conversation with him. And he became a dear friend and introduced me into the world of atheists in our community, men and women whom I love, but men and women whom I love so that they might know the love of God for them. Thank God we're free to talk this way. Thank God we're free to pray for one another, to share our faith with one another. That we live not with fear that someone is going to knock on our door because we have exercised our sense of freedom to share our faith with each other. That's why they died. This nation is worthy of our sacrifice. More than self, their country loved. You bow with me in prayer. And oh Lord, may we, not, may we never forget May we take occasion such as Memorial Day, not just to eat brats and drink beer, but may we make an occasion, even for just a moment, to be grateful, to thank you and to thank the sacrifices that have been made on our behalf so that we can be here now. We pray this with a profound sense of joy. In Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.